Welcome back to another episode of Beer Time with Books. This is our last book of the second season. That's true. It's the last book. I was telling Brian I started thinking about my rankings today. Oh God. There this there's so many the choices are chaotic. It is all over the place. It's going to be really interesting just because I was telling Jamie in the first season there were a couple uh, shoe-ins for last place, but it may be a little bit different for season two. Oh, wow. I've got to I've got to start thinking about my rankings now. <laughs> but but before then, we have two parts of our last book of season two. It's Oryx and Crake by Margaret Atwood. What a choice for our quarantine season. I started reading this and I was just like, oh, this is too on the nose right now. It's pretty on the nose. It was like written in 2001, but like might as well have been written now. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into all of that, of course, we have a couple different sections to hit here. First and foremost, what are you drinking this evening? Who wants to start? I'll go. All right. Hit us off, Danny. Um, I have a returning brewery, Cranker's Brewery from Michigan, uh, Big Rapids, Big Rapids, Michigan. (laughs) Uh, this is the Professor IPA. It's, um, it's not too strong. It's very tasty. That's relatively fitting for the, uh, intellectuals of this novel. (laughs) Yeah, I it was there. I chose it for that reason. <laughs> are we all drinking tall boys? I think we are. Yeah, we may be all having some tall boy cans. Nice. Getting wild tonight. Uh, no, there's no no vod on the pod tonight, no, though. No vod on the pod. <laughs> that was for our Russian lit. Just uh, a bunch of tall boys. You want to go next? Yeah. Um. This is Jamie. I am drinking. This has a lot of different names on it. I don't really even know. Haze of the Dead Hazy Double IPA from Dis- what did we- Distill Brewery? No. It could be. I guess it could Dis- be playing on Distill Dish- or Distyle, the Dutch art movement. Yeah. In Illinois, but it's also a part of the Deadhead IPA series. Um, so it's very, very groovy, very psychedelic, very Deadhead. On the pod today, that was my Siri. I don't know if that got picked up on the mic. Hey, that that's also very uh, thematic for this futuristic novel. Just get these insertions said, from our robot said, overlords. Hello, I would like to be included. Uh, you said Deadhead IPA. Hello, count me in. Anyway, that's what I'm drinking. It's very good. It's pretty citrusy. Uh, I, I. I've really become an IPA person, and I didn't expect that from myself. If you would have asked me five years ago, I would have said, no way, Jose. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Uh, This is Brian. I'm also drinking the Deadhead IPA series, uh, the Haze of the Dead. This was something that uh, I had a birthday recently, and I just told Jamie, uh, just get some cool beers, and cool beers meant deadhead brews, and it's got a nice uh, hippie bearded skull uh, donning the side. It says support flavor, boycott bland. Mm-hmm. So we're really uh, 
confident in the flavors of this one. But yeah, it is pretty citrusy, but it goes down very smooth. I feel like um, it's been a good pairing with uh, some food. Um, I just feel like it hasn't some been food. with some food in general. We had some Japanese food with this, but um, I feel like it, it's not as um, bitter of yeah, an IPA. It definitely hockey. has like a sweeter side to it. So yeah, it's been pretty nice for the brews and... With that, next we have the media section, recent media of a couple pieces since the last episode. We're out of our October episodes. We don't have spooky themes anymore. So curious to see what everybody's getting into these days in November. Danny, you want to start us off? Yeah, this is Danny. Jamie is always really good at introducing herself, and I—I I mean, if you're if you're if you're this far and you don't know who we are, <laughs> I just kind of feel like I don't. Well, I don't know what you're. And doing, if this so. is your first episode, welcome. <laughs> If this is your first episode, I'm Danny. Uh, I have been, um, Will and I are continuing to watch the Great British uh, Baking Show, which is just such a lovely time. Every Friday, we just look forward to it so much. Um, it's a Saturday and, morning tradition. Yeah, we, we, we've turned it into Saturday morning with our, oh, uh, with really? our breakfast. We've been, we've been like very much like we cozy in with like dinner on Friday evening and we watch it immediately. Yeah. And we, it's we still just, cozy. It's in. So that, nice. That's, that's the common denominator. You got to get cozy. You got to get cozy. <laughs> and then, yeah, we just like get cozy. Having a cup of coffee in the morning and watching GBBO. Oh, GBBO. GBBO. Yeah, it's a vibe. Uh, we get we get cozy on Fridays, and um, that's been uh, that's been really nice. It's such a such a balm for my soul. Um, <laughs> I just we, I like started watching old episodes, even though I know everything that happens in all of them. They're so they're just they're so calming. Still things to learn. Um, baking baking. Still tips. things to learn. Uh, I've also been watching I May Destroy You on HBO Max, and um, it's a little stressful, but. Um, overall, I, I really, en- I'm really enjoying it. I'm about halfway through. Um, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a great, uh, it's a great, I don't really know that I could summarize it, but, uh, it's an important show, I think. And I really like it. Yeah. Um, I, so are all the episodes out now? Cause mm-hmm. this was just some off the pod. So Jamie and I started earlier in the summer and we, uh, had a bit of a break cause we were watching as it was coming out, but it is all out now, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's like 10 or 10 or 12 episodes and they're all out. Um, and, um, it stars, I think her name is Michaela Cohn or Con Cole or Cohen. C-O-E-L Cole. Oh, Cole. Yeah. Um, she's brilliant. Um, and I just have really been enjoying it. It's, I don't really know that I could describe the genre of show, but I, um, have really been liking it. Um, and I've also been, um, reading a book that has been on my reading list for, literally i don't even know for like maybe a decade i'm reading misery by stephen king um which i reserved at the library during spooky season but it didn't it didn't (laughs) i didn't get off the waiting list in time so now i'm reading it a month later during thanksgiving season (laughs) the whole what a what a book to be reading during uh this season of giving um but i am enjoying it it's great i love stephen king so those are my things cool Nice. Um, I don't have a ton of updates. I don't know. I don't feel like I've been consuming a lot of new media recently. But Brian and I did start the new season of The Crown, which I was just, I really needed a period piece, I think. I just, (laughs) like, I haven't been that interested in a lot of things we've been watching recently. 
And something about the crown is just cozy. It's stressful, but... It's seeing a society being a society. <laughs> yeah. Watching people sure. live their lives. We're um, just at that point now. We're just like, I just want to watch somebody a society being. be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even the stressful parts. But It uh, is stressful, though. Cause, in yeah. this new season, Princess Diana is finally a character. And oh, boy, if you <laughs> haven't already delved into the crown you absolutely have to they're they're doing a phenomenal job with it i think like all the reviews i've seen too people love their portrayal of princess diana and also margaret thatcher as being a terrible person (laughs) well that's the other thing margaret thatcher being in is just like that juxtaposed it's just the 80s in england yeah it's a lot but um (laughs) i'm really enjoying it so that's that's my main thing (laughs) You said that as though you lived through the 80s Oh, in bro, I, big breath out. Ugh, the 80s in England. <laughs> let me tell you about the time that I was Wouldn't in England. Wouldn't go back. Let me, tell, let me tell you. <laughs> in 82, when I was in England. <laughs> Expat. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have. Cool. Uh, I had or have been consuming another semi-period piece, a little bit more fictionalized, but this is in video game form. Uh, I took a uh, bit of a break, took a couple days off of work, uh, and started playing Ghost of Shushima, and this is set in feudal Japan in the 1200s. This is about when the Mongols invaded Japan, and around the time of the shogun rule and with the samurais. Uh, and it's kind of this struggle for control and power in feudal Japan. And it has been uh, very interesting to dive into that um, just because there are a lot of uh, items from that that help kind of contextualize that era. And then it made me go back and watch... Uh, if you guys are familiar with Bill Wirtz, he did the History of the World, I guess, video, <laughs> the animated thing. But he before that, the precursor to the History of the World was the History of Japan. Yeah. And so I decided to go back and, and watch that just to kind of see where it all fits in. Of course, it's just a blip <laughs> in the uh, greater span of the entire history. But he does a great job with that. And now I'm kind of interested specifically in... Uh, post-World War II Japan. I don't know if anybody's going to get this far, but if anybody has a book recommendation of that time period, um, just from what he had said and how Japan had um, gone forward uh, after World War II with great economic development and going into uh, a lot of you know what we're familiar with. I've been watching anime, as I said recently, like the anime boom, the video game boom, like a lot of their other cars and computers and things like that. Uh, I think that that uh, is very interesting and it's covered in that video. So it's been a lot of uh, Japan <laughs> over in in our household. So yeah, that's been the recent deal for media. And with that, that leads into our main discussion again of our last book of season two. This was Danny's Choice. So we're going to toss it over to her for a quick summary on Oryx and Crake. Whew, what a book for this time. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I had no idea, honestly. When I first started reading, I really, I came in pretty blind. So it was. Well, I briefly talked to Jane. I like the way I chose this book was I wanted to read another Margaret Atwood, and the other ones I liked or I was interested in were too long for for our book, uh, our our page limit for this podcast. Yeah, I guess we don't uh, talk about it that much. We but do we, have we, a we, page we kind of have limit. like a four hundred page or less. We try we try to stick I think we're we've been around like three hundred and fifty pages. Yeah. And some of her like some of the ones I, I was interested in were like around four hundred or more. Um and Jamie suggested this one and I was looking into it, but honestly I was also coming in like I really I don't know I hardly know anything about her other writing. I know I like her as a person and an author, but like I and, and I like the Handmaid's Tale. But outside of that, I really didn't, I wasn't that familiar with the rest of her writing or even her like poetry. Um, <clears throat> so this is a dystopian uh, uh, novel. Um, it's the first in a series. I can't, I don't know how many are in this series. I think it's um, a trilogy, yeah. Yeah, there's three. <clears throat> um, but um, essentially the, the book is sort of split into two parts. Um, we follow... Uh, we we the oh, the book opens with um, the main character um, the his name is Snowman during his present day time. Um, but when he flashes back, his name is Jimmy, and we soon learn that he is essentially in sort of like a post apocalyptic or like a post uh, post hour regular world um, kind of scenario. Um, he is like fending for himself. He seems to be the only um, type of type of human that he is around um and he talks about the Krakers um who we eventually learn are like this um it's like sort of genetically modified like um other group of people um I don't know that they I don't really know that he calls them people but um they're (laughs) people-esque yeah like people-esque kind of um and so that's how the book opens. We meet the Krakers and we meet Snowman. And then we then we dive into the second storyline, which follows um, Jimmy, who lives with his family before, sort of in the before time. Um, and um, he, we through these like flashbacks, we learn about his childhood. We learn that they are ba- there are basically two parts of this world. Um, there's like like the com- I think it's like the compound. Um, which is like essentially like a, um, like a housing project, um, in the, uh, near the company that where his dad works. Um, and that's kind of how half of the, half of the population lives in this compound. Um, but they're sort of built around like corporations. And then the other half of the world, um, are called the plebe lands, uh, where basically everybody who like doesn't have a job for a corporation, um, has to live. Um, so don't love to see that. Um, and we, the vibe that we kind of get is like things inside the compound are like very like, uh, clean and neat and like provide, and everybody's provided for. And, um, it seems that like everything is kind of at your fingertips and like on the, on the other side, like in contrast, the Plevelands are like very, um, I don't know. It's like, like they're presented as like, like dirty and lawless, basically. Yeah, lots of like um, revolutionary activity and riots and different things. Yeah. And we, we don't really get a sense that like the people in the compound and the people in the Plevelands like, like interact no. much at all. Yeah, especially because of how sterile pick- it is that they have to go through so much to even get in and out 
from what we kind of get right. into. Right, so they're, they're separated like by security and everything. So essentially, um, that's what we learn. We learn about the compound. We learn about the plea blands. We learn that um, Jimmy eventually um, has a new person come to like his school, um, his friend, um, Craig. Um, he like has a knack for science. He's kind of like everything that Jimmy is not. Jimmy kind of has like an aversion to like math and science. Um, we learn that, um, Jimmy's, um, parents, um, they get into a lot of fights and his mom, uh, eventually, um, we, we can kind of deduce that like she doesn't agree with how, what his dad is doing in the compounds. And so she, uh, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't like, um, all of the genetic engineering that's happening. So she quits and she leaves. Um, and she takes Jimmy's pet with her. Uh, and, um, basically where we are now, um, is we've met Jimmy, we've met Craig, we've learned about Jimmy's childhood. And we also have met briefly Oryx, who, um, only sort of seems to exist like in Jimmy's mind at this point. Um, but we learn that he, um, that she is a victim of like um of like child trafficking um as a child she somehow gets out uh we're not sure how yet um and in Jimmy's present day he goes um he he's he's on the hunt for like basically sustenance he needs a way to keep living and so he's um i think at this point we've left him sort of like on a on an adventure um i mean i don't know it's not that exciting but he just <laughs> needs to go find food essentially um <clears throat> so I think that's where we are in both stories. Do you guys have anything to add to that? No, that's most of it. I'd say. I just want to make sure I hadn't missed anything. Those are the big um, points. So I wanted to just like start by like, I feel like it was clear from the start that this was supposed to be like a dystopian novel that is like a critique on society and like, genetic engineering and like technology taking over what other like themes or things like have you guys have you guys taken from this aside from just like technology is bad um or like you know or like we shouldn't let the the robots and the genetic engineering take over you know like i feel like those are sort of the high the the high level um conclusions that we can draw but at this point what do you think her like overall sort of message is I don't know. I feel like I've um, been struggling with that a little bit. Maybe I I think that we need to learn more about whatever the apocalyptic scenario was, the pandemic-related thing. Oh, no. Um, I think <laughs> they've mentioned the word pandemic. Um, yeah. I think they call once. it a plague. Maybe a plague. A plague, too. Yeah, um, I, yeah I think it's been either. I feel like once we delve more into that, we'll learn maybe more about her main critiques or purpose here. Um, I don't know. I felt like it's been kind of all over the place in the first half. Uh, like there's a lot of a lot of criticisms of all levels of society. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I'm grabbing onto one in particular thing other than like big corporations are bad. Big Pharma is bad. Um, this is dangerous. And I mean, like her, like her very cheesy names for all the different corporations and different products uh, are a little distracting to me. 
I'll be honest. I don't know if I was in the mood for a dystopian. I think I think like I just like wasn't in the I like you guys said you dove into this not knowing what to expect. I think I did the same thing, but in the heads headspace of like expecting the handmaid's tale a little bit because <laughs> it's the only Atwood I've read. And a lot of the uh names, the company names and everything throughout this have been distracting to me a little bit. Um I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, this is great. I mean, I felt I felt like a similar way about um, like the names. Like she, I, we'll come back to that. Brian, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I mean, as far as the development, I think yeah, it, it is interesting that you know we are halfway, but to some degree, you know, even that half has been split in half, mm-hmm. just because I think that there's a lot of development on these two very distinct sides of this story so you know when it's jimmy and it's in this flashback state a lot of the dystopian-esque themes are pretty subtle uh, which i actually did appreciate it's just small things where you know they were talking about some of the ice cream that they were having during graduation and it was just like soy 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 and different things like that and then you know you're talking about um you know very casually talking about these restrictions within this society that is somewhat running normally until you start hearing about more of the outside world because again we just get like a couple of kids that are young surfing the web getting into porn getting into all this like dark web stuff as well um smoking weed like all this stuff it's all pretty subtle at that point but there's so much further to go because when we get into snowman's side which again is still jimmy it feels way more dramatic because again there are these like people-esque beings that are hanging on his every word it just feels like so much has progressed past what we were seeing earlier. And so to get the full critique, I, again, what you were saying, Jamie, that we, we're we not really even there to know what the overall cause is. Like what's those, what are those few final dominoes to fall um, at that point? But I think there's just a lot of critique on capitalism in general in the modern age a lot with climate change as well they talk about that with um their regulated climate and then also you know how all, a lot of the seasons are out of whack and it kind of the lack uh, of like real food also. yeah yeah just stuff like that where all of the criticisms are there and it feels pretty broad on a lot of societal aspects in general um but still as far as those changes within society, not uh, including the actual names of the companies and things like that, felt relatively subtle and felt like they were getting woven in very slowly. So I'm excited to see where it builds. But yeah, right now, just in general, from the themes, it's just been like a broader critique of capitalism in general, um, which I think will play in later on because we see that even Jimmy's dad... Uh, the reason his mom is so frustrated is that he's starting to pursue 
this genetic modification not as much for the greater good but for profit as well and obviously that uh, seemingly is going to play into when we get to um, the children of Crake later on that some somehow that would play into the broader role so uh, I think in general probably just like critique of crap <laughs> capitalism got him <laughs> <laughs> that's the punchline of the novel actually <laughs> final word of the novel no, 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 final sentence capitalism am I right uh, <laughs> so anyway I think that it is just kind of like touching into those broader things which you know butterfly effect out into a lot of these other aspects of society yeah i found myself wondering quite a bit like you know there are like dystopian novels that like um are are written and you pretty much feel like oh like that feels very far away or like that feels extremely like different than this than the, like the direction where like society is going but I wonder, I wonder, like, in the past, like, like this came out in 2003. She, she wrote, she published this in 2003. Like, even in the last, like, like, 17 years, like, I, I can imagine that, like, it is hitting closer to home now even than it did in 2003. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that. But, like, sometimes I feel like with, like, I don't know, Fahrenheit 451 or 1984, like when I read those, I'm just like, wow, like that was like a that was like a branch that like society could have gone off. And like we sort of have, but we sort of haven't. It feels very extreme. This like doesn't feel this doesn't feel I mean like the 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 Crakers feels far. But like part parts of Jimmy's world like don't feel very far. And it's like the soy made me laugh, but like when you go to the grocery store, we've got almond, oat, soy, soy, soy. I don't know. Impossible, it's like not... impossible burgers. I don't know. Yeah. I love an impossible burger. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that, like, I am glad to be reading this in an unfortunate way during this pandemic because, <laughs> because like, honestly, it does bring so much more of that into, like, more of a believable territory. Hopefully, we don't get so far as to, you know... <laughs> reach genetic whatever's going on here but like you know the rapid um development of the vaccine and things like that like all these advancements within science and and in the climate change aspect we're in like the greek letters of hurricanes this year and like the pandemic is is going off in general like it unfortunately does feel very relatable yeah in the worst ways <laughs> yeah um I also wanted to like, so we should clarify too that like um, the we learned that like the the beings that are around Snowman during his like present day um, where he's like narrating from are called the children of Crake, and then we also learned that the animals are technically the ones that came from Oryx. Is that is am I did I interpret that right? Yes, I I kind of wonder if that's just him making up like his make-believe stories for them because a lot of those animals like even the genetically modified ones were around before oryx was yeah he definitely is doing it for that but as far as craig though craig's involvement i think that that may be more than um oryx is i think that yeah. he has a story to tell and those are the two that he re like relates most to but craig it's it, this is a recent development too as far as where we're at in the novel that this started to come up where like 
especially for these um, humanoid creatures that some of it was actually developed by Craig himself. Mm -hmm. And within the point that we're at, Craig has just now started to go to higher education. So seemingly he may have a broader role to play within that. But yeah, like he definitely made the children of Craig. I think that the Oryx storyline is Jimmy making that up a little bit. Yeah, I wondered. It felt like, I mean, I I don't know if this is intentional, but I mean like it feels there there feels like it feels like an Adam and Eve parallel a little bit. <laughs> like not necessarily like man and woman, but it it felt very like like Snowman spends his time like weaving creationism stories yeah. for like these beings that he is around. Um and he's and doing I wanted it to, live. I wanted yeah, I wanted <laughs> Off to, the cuff. I wanted to ask you guys I wanted to ask you guys about that too because like we've seen what what the explanation of the world and Christianity and creationism and whatever like it's very embedded in in our society and like uh, snowman is just he's just fucking yeah I don't know you this happened and this is what happened and they came from this and I can't tell you this for this reason like do you think he's going to get more like intentional about like how do you think that's going to be a larger part of the story? I just wonder because he uh it's not a huge part right now but um you know he could be affecting these the, these these beings existence but maybe they're not human so maybe it doesn't matter. I um to like piggyback off of that a little bit. Pigoon I mean, back. Yeah, pigoon back <laughs> off. Oh, um, hey, oh, hey. I don't think that I mean, I don't know if he'll ever have, like, a real plan. I also just don't know what Jimmy's motivation is at all at this point. I feel like if I were the last human on Earth and I were struggling to survive, I would just off myself. I don't, like, I don't understand what... Hot take in 2020. (laughs) I don't, I just, like, I've always felt this way reading books like this where it's like you are the last person i'm like what then what am i doing (laughs) but how could you ever know how could he ever know how could anyone ever know they're the last well we still we still also don't know like i mean there's a reason he's there and the last human but we don't know why like we don't know how he ended up where he is we don't know if like oryx and crake like let him live like we have no idea so you're right like we don't know his motivation at all yeah it just i don't know what his plan is it doesn't seem like he has any kind of plan other than trying to find food and even that he's not very good at like he admittedly is like i oh shit i shouldn't have told them that the animals are like Oryx's thing because now I can't kill them in front of them. Like I, but the one also, sacrificial fish. Yeah, the one fish <laughs> per week, and it's like, oh shit, I would really like a pigoon right now, but I can't do that because I told them this lie for no reason. <laughs> I don't, like. I just don't. I don't know what his motivation is. Does anybody have any insights? Well, uh, not not quite on that. I think. Uh, well, maybe a little bit, but I'll just to answer the question on on what you were saying for, uh, you know, the broader aspect of Warwick's and Craig uh, and how it plays into this future timeline. It is pretty unique to see this world building happening like this. I don't know that I can recall a story as much that like we're getting into that and that could get into another criticism uh, kind of what you guys were alluding to a little bit of the religious aspect of it of like that could be a broader 
critique now that it's somebody that like the entire um, world building and mythology building of it all it's in the hands of somebody that is just like winging it as we said um but at least the motivations for you know those two and and keeping the reverence there it seemed like those were the only two that he really had the broader connection for so like it is kind of nice for him to keep that alive to some degree and it like continues to garner sympathy for jimmy that like he does not try to do them wrong, even though they don't exist. Um, like that is kind of a nice uh, motivation for him to like keep the spirit of these two alive in this way. I don't know why he would still need to again, because we don't know like who's <laughs> out there. But like, it is nice to see that he keeps that affection toward the both of them even when they're not there, presumably, to see the end product of it. But I do like that aspect of it that, you know, it is such a unique thing from a dystopian standpoint that normally you're talking about this uh, broader power outside of your control, (laughs) i.e. Handmaid's Tale and a lot of um, the power structure there. But it's nice to have the power structure within this fully formed dystopia within the hands of somebody that seemingly is not um, abusing it in a terrible way. Uh, Cause again, he's trying to like keep reverence to those two. He's trying to do right by the children of Crake and wants to survive. I kind of like that there potentially, um, you know, isn't that broader thing to fight against. It's kind of interesting to see it from that standpoint because a lot of dystopia falls into that lane of like, here's this bad guy. We have to do something about this bad guy. You know, it it kind of feels repetitive. So I'm liking that aspect of it, but I am curious to see on like how that builds into his motivations outside of the survival for whatever reason and how that develops with the mythology of Oryx and Kray because in the past, he seems to have some misgivings toward Crake a little bit. So mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting to see, like, why is he still nice and kind in his storytelling towards Crake when he start? We're starting to see that divide in the past timeline. Yeah, Crake seems to be uh, very critical of Jimmy Snowman. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as we call and him, I, those that know him really well. We, we love Jimmy, Jimmy Snowman. Snowman. <laughs> Snowman, I mean, yeah, I Jimmy. Don't, I thought that, like, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't getting a an honoring or, like, reverence vibe as much as, like, maybe you did. But Well, just in the fact like, that he tried everything he built into the story was, like, because they care about the yeah. animals and the world. And yeah, I mean, the- definitely, like, he has built it up so the children of Crake... Because they're Revere. reverent toward, yeah. They like don't. They, they don't feel any. They're like, we want to meet Oryx and Craig. Take yeah, us like, with you. Tell, tell Craig that yeah. we love him. Please tell Craig. <laughs> tell Craig. Can we come, yeah, and please? So, so that's the thing. Is that like I'm so curious because I mean, yeah. We when I first like when I first um when I first started reading, I was like under the impression that like Snowman was the last human on on Earth, like tasked with like raising this new. Like, like single-handedly, like raising this new generation of beings. Maybe though. But, but his his behavior is very chaotic. If that's the case, <laughs> because he just he's like 
like they do, I guess, have some kind of god, which is Crake, but he also like if he is their leader, if Snowman is their leader, like he's just like hanging out in like a tree in a toga, like like he <laughs> needs them like to bring him fish. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's just so um I, I, I don't think it's completely off the table, but my my assumptions were changed very quickly after I first thought that because I was just like, I don't know. I don't know that I that I feel like he is he's acting as though uh, this is like his this is his one purpose. He doesn't really seem very purposeful. But he's also mm-hmm. not a, a I mean not to like rag on him this fictional character. <laughs> no, I'm fine with ragging on him. But, I don't really love Jimmy. But but I'm he's but but he's not that smart. No, no he's so kind like, of an incel. So, so like we don't yeah, he's really, kind of an incel. So, so we don't really know that like. You know, we don't know why he's the only one yet. Like, if this is something that was tasked him or not. But, like, I'm starting to get that vibe because of those memories that we're just starting to get again. This is, you know, within the last couple dozen pages that we start to have him describe Craig and his development of the children of Craig. That, like, why would he be involved at all to even get told this stuff you know what i mean but i feel like he was friends with crake and crake is pedantic so he would tell him like but it, but I it, didn't, that- but it didn't always it didn't always feel like that maybe i again this is all like I just pretty fresh so, i'm so curious like i i it's i really have no idea i have no idea how jimmy got from not going to school, Craig essentially got into like MIT or the equivalent, and like yeah, the Jimmy I- got Ivy into League. yeah. Jimmy got into like Southern, you know, low low grade art college. School. Yeah, like Which Harvard yeah. flooded. P.S. If anyone was curious, that's what this is like. It would be Harvard if Harvard didn't flood. Yeah, <laughs> which like, what that whatever that means. <laughs> I was like, oh cool. Oh um, uh, yeah, so that's where we are. But I I have just no idea how how like their relationship, how he you know continues to learn uh about what Craig does and how he ends up being in the situation that he's in like I it feels like I just had the the flash into like freeze frame you're probably wondering like how I got into this <laughs> uh, situation up in the tree <laughs> that's me <laughs> eating, that's eating me. his I'm fish eating the one fish my, <laughs> my name's Jimmy and my <laughs> life is pretty crazy like I <laughs> <laughs> You might be asking how I got up in this tree with this fish. Like, let's, it's a let's Disney back up Channel a little show. bit. Yeah, screw it, screw it. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm so, I'm so excited to learn, uh, to learn how, like, what his path is because we have half the book left, but so many threads are like, so many things have been opened and we haven't resolved any of them. Yeah. Um. Also, how fast does all of this happen? Because I feel like I do. We know what age Jimmy is currently in present day. No, I have been assuming like the way that he talks and the way that he like the way that his skills like aren't don't seem very honed. His survival skills don't seem very honed. Like I don't really feel like he'd last that long. I feel like it's. I feel like it's within a year or something or like or like months. I know it doesn't I like he doesn't feel that old. It still feels like maybe he's like 20s, 30s. And then he lost all the like even the stuff that he lost that felt pretty recent because he's like, I had a map, but like that's pretty gone. And like yeah. a lot of the stuff, it does seem like it is relatively recent. But also we don't know when the events take place. 
Yeah, but we know at least in like in the where we're at in the flashback, they like you said are going to college or are in college. Um, so they're like almost twenty, probably. Assuming that age they followed the works normal the structure same. of society. Yeah, in this I don't place. know. They didn't take a gap year. (laughs) And then what? Maybe it's like five years later right now? I don't know. Well, these these humanoids haven't been developed yet either, though. I know, but it feels like it's not that long after they were in college. How much damage did Crake cause in college? (laughs) Crake did He just went to college and... Also... We just learned, like, the last chapter or two chapters that we read that Craig's mom died from, like, a pandemic thing, like a disease that she got from being careless, which I feel like is a wow, that big foreshadowing thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it still wasn't, like, official official, though, because that was also relatively recent development where, mm-hmm. like, Jimmy being Jimmy, because he's done the same stuff with Oryx this whole time, is, like just trying to figure out anything he can about anybody. Uh, and he just <laughs> and he just kind of figured that out. About yeah, because Craig wasn't mom. really open. But it said like and maybe Craig doesn't she care about had anything. a cut and she was working yeah, and so she got blah, infected. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so that sounds like Jimmy. Jimmy is kind of a moron. <laughs> I like, don't love Jimmy as a so, narrator so, or okay. a protagonist. I'm going to be honest. Okay. Yeah, so Jimmy in gen- like I don't know. I think I maybe like Jimmy as present day a teeny teeny bit more. Yeah, Granted I feel like sympathy when we- for him like I said earlier because of his reverence and stuff. But but in the so, uh, so in the <laughs> when he was like in high school or whatever he was in like he just I don't know. I'm not going to comment on his character because, like, he has a lot of shitty circumstances. But, like, he just, like, when he taught, his talking to orcs and Crake is infuriating for me because I'm just like, why aren't you at, both of these people come into his life, like, very randomly. And they're both much more interesting than he is and his life. And to me, it's just like, like when he talks, so we, let's talk about Oryx too, because when Oryx comes comes into his life, we don't, we don't, we still don't know like how exactly she came into mm-hmm. his life. But all we know is that he was watching like some sort of like porn with kitty porn. With yeah, he was watching like gross kitty porn with Crake, and well, you know, it was like a casual at the very least. Not that it makes it right, but it was like a casual. What did you say? Well, they were also kids. Oh, well, yeah, but I mean, they weren't that young. They were like 16, right? I don't know. They were doing that. Know. They said they were doing that when they were like they eight. They might have been like, yeah, like They said oh, they were doing that 12. really early. They were doing That's that fair. very young. So, yeah, so they it's the Thursday after school. They go get a snack. They smoke some weed, and they watch kitty porn at eight years old, apparently. And <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a clip for Instagram. I'm just Danny out of context. We're getting weed, getting a snack. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a normal day after school. That's what it feels like. And, and so that's also, like, uh, I feel like throughout the book, like, that is – very common like kind of shocking things especially the things that they do and like just hanging out on the dark web like is very very casual um even at like a young age but um jimmy thinks that he sees um he he tells craig to pause um during one of these like kitty porn videos that they're watching and like he he um sees this this young like child or like this young girl catches his eye 
and he like mentions her eyes and and, like basically thinks she's notable and then like years later like we don't know how oryx comes into his life but he thinks that oryx is the girl that he sees in the porn and she's basically just like i don't know it could have been me but like i did a lot of those as a child so i don't know (laughs) and i was in a ton of movies yeah yeah we 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 still don't know about oryx like at all there's still so many gaps to fill in it is surprising she doesn't really want to talk about her past because she always is like oh jimmy you silly like you always ask these questions just like chill out a little bit and quit asking questions that's what makes me suspicious of oryx a little bit because like Yes, Jimmy's kind of being a moron is just kind of like taking all this information from Craig and Oryx. Like everything's just fine. He do- he never his conversations in the book like never follow up. There's never any sort of like he never continues to ask questions. Oryx just brushes him off. So like what do you make of Oryx's character? Like we know basically that she was like a victim of like of like child sex trafficking. Um but it seems very very like almost like above the table like a not like not like not sketchy but it definitely feels like not as like um not the way that we see it now like I don't know it feels like a business like the person she works for works for as like a child works for is in quotes um you know like I don't know I'm just curious like what is the commentary there like what what's happening with Oryx I don't know what's happening with Oryx I don't (laughs) I See, this is part of what I I haven't necessarily loved about this story is that I feel like Oryx's story especially is told in such a like blatant like sex is commodified whatever way and it's I don't know. I feel like I feel like Atwood is trying to be really, really shocking for not much purpose. I don't know. I haven't been that impressed with Oryx's storyline. I, yeah, I, I feel that. I don't know how to describe why. I think to the degree that like everything else is shifted in such a way that like it's just slightly off the norm. For a lot of these other pieces of commentary on different things, like with climate change, like with genetic mutation, like with all these different things, um, that that extra nudge for Oryx um, is interesting because it's seemingly more accepted because it's like easier to get to. It just highlights that like it's maybe not as far off from where we are at in our society or wherever society was at in 2003, that it was just like still taboo, but just like slightly more accepted that like it was easy to get to a lot of these bigger cities were able to like facilitate this a lot easier. Um, I thought it made it a bit more shocking and like Oryx is fascinating from the fact that like you're getting the perspective from somebody who is has gone through all of that and is able to still like function as a person through such a fucked up background. Like I think that her character is interesting and has a lot to bring to the table to like angsty boys within the compound. Cause like 
just from what I've seen on the back, there's going to start to be storylines with Crake as well that it'll be interesting to like have her perspective through something that is probably the worst thing we've seen in the entire story thus far to like inform these boys that are in, you know, an undeniable place of privilege within this compound that she's still able to just like, you know, interact with them in such a way and like kind of bring perspective to whatever their problems are, um, which are pretty minor in comparison to whatever Oryx has come through. I think it adds like a necessary outside factor to something that it's just like, are we really sympathizing with people within this compound that are within like presumably, you know, quote unquote, the 1% or whatever it is. It sounds like it's pretty terrible outside these compounds. Like I think her part will be crucial to illuminating more of the outside world and get us to the point faster of like wherever we get to in the future. Like I I'm still interested by it for that reason that like, I don't know how she gets there, but like that outside perspective within these two boys story. I hope that that happens. I hope that she gives some outside perspective. I feel like right now she is so, what we know of her is so apathetic. Like, Jimmy clearly is angry about all the things that happened to her. And she's just like, oh, Jimmy, why would you want to talk about bad things? And I think that that apathy maybe is what's bothering me. But it's starting to shift, I think. Like, again, I feel like a lot of the stuff that we've started to see that's moving into more developed stuff. We've had so much world building thus far that, like, I think we've had it really nice in a lot of the books that we've read in the past in this podcast where like the halfway point has been like somewhat of a, like a perfect halfway point for discussions that this book isn't really fitting that thus far that like we haven't quite hit that point where like most of the stuff that I recall reading within the last probably 20 to 40 pages is starting to feel like we're turning a corner but didn't quite get there that like I feel like that's starting to happen because like Jimmy's starting to prod more. She's revealing more. Cause like at the beginning, she wouldn't even say that she was directly the person that he maybe saw when he was a kid. And now she's starting to be like, well, like explaining what all these men were doing to her and like getting into more serious stuff. And I think that like Jimmy will also play an important factor for her to be like, hey, that was wrong. Cause that's yeah, something that she doesn't get. It's is like just... she, like, again, you said it's her apathy. Like I think Jimmy's gonna be that part where he's like, no, I'm mad about this because this is terrible. Like, the fact that you're not upset about this is upsetting to me a little bit. I mean, I just think isn't that, it, like, Jimmy is alarming also because he... I can't tell that, like, Oryx is that interested in him, but they clearly have a sexual relationship. And even she, when he was getting mad about something, she was like, I, it's nothing that you and I haven't done. Yeah. Like, what is the problem? And so that's a lot. Their and he's a con- well, and he's a consumer. I'm not saying Jimmy's perfect because obviously he's like their relationship is alarming to me. And I maybe that is also Oryx talks about Jimmy behind his back with Craig, which is an interesting yes. thing as well that we kind of got. There's into. a weird menage a trois situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like Jimmy is just like being taken advantage of by both of them, but we like still don't know. Well, that's I, why I'm I don't know like somewhat sympathetic to Jimmy. Like he is kind of a fool, but like I still feel sympathy for him. And like something in the end is still like causing him to react and build positively into the mythology of Oryx and Craig in the present day. Like I think Jimmy still has a lot of growth left in him 
which is why like you know it seems like you guys are maybe more critical of jimmy i think that there's like it you know more of a journey for him to go on i don't think he's great right now but i can see like a corner being turned for sure for him but i could be yeah totally off on that i mean i definitely like i want to know like what happens between him like being sort of this like i don't know sort of just like in craig's shadow or whatever like and then all and then like just being the last human on earth like what happens like how does he get there but I also like I think going back really quickly to the 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 Jimmy and and Oryx relationship I think part of what like feels gross to me about their relationship or like what feels bad is that when he when he is like telling her that like all of those things are gross and all of those things are bad it almost feels like a little misogynistic like it almost feels a little bit like he thinks it's gross that she isn't more grossed out by it. You know? And, like, I I And he was the one, like, he was the consumer of this porn. Like, it's not... He he was the one who... I mean, like, and maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, it was supposed to be very shocking that, like, it was so casual for them. They didn't really seem to be doing it for, like, gross reasons. Although, maybe, like, he kind of made it sound like this is just, like, what was on TV. I don't know. Like well, they when were they were kids, eight. like accessible to eight-year-old kids, like that's by hacking well, their stepfather's account. They did, like it yeah, wasn't. They, did. they sought it out. It wasn't like just oh, we stumbled upon this. Like they, like Craig fully had they, to go through a whole did. process. Sure, no, so, I I agree with all of that. I'm just saying, like the circumstances at large, like it's all very terrible. But like they're kids, it's obviously more of an industry and not as cracked down on as we're used to in like the real world because there's obviously like uh there's a lot of money involved it's not like uh the feds are tearing this operation down it's like a whole other holly or pixie land whatever like it's a whole other hollywood out there i think that like there's some sympathy for a society that allows it to be that accessible and broad for young children to like be desensitized to such a thing yeah but I almost think that it's that makes it worse because, like, there is maybe, like, some kind of, like, desensitizing that happens. But, like, Jimmy's tone is very accusatory. Like, when he talks to Oryx about, he's he's just, like, it it feels like, well, like, it almost just feels like his, he's judging her for, like, something that she couldn't control. Or, like, she's, it um, it feels very, like, you're, like tainted or bad or like I don't know gross I don't know I we don't have to spend a lot of time on this I just there is so much more to their relationship and I'm so curious what's going to happen because like we just don't know we barely know anything about Oryx I really wish that her story were more developed and not so specific I want to know more about her world and I, I guess maybe the point is that like this should tell us all we need to know about her world like how she grew up but I don't know if that was the point. I I just, I, I want more about her story. Yeah, I'll just say something real quick, just because I think we're getting close to the end. But like, the only reason I say as far as like a sympathetic thing as well and bringing up the fact that they are kids is that like a lot of that questioning and outrage from Jimmy comes from the point where like, again, he first consumes it when he's a kid and I don't think understands the gravity of the situation and then like becomes older and meets Oric. And she starts to explain the circumstances around it where he's starting to realize like, oh, this was not like, 
as glamorized as it would be presented where like it's a quote unquote yeah. movie from these people where he's like, oh, you were kidnapped. You were like brought into situations with these older men. Like, I think it is. But so- I feel so- like he well- recognizes that as a kid. He mentions them like they never look happy. They're crying. They're but, like- but he doesn't know the full circumstances. He's eight years old. Like, that's the only thing I'll say. Like, I know that it's all wrong and I'm not like trying to totally atone for <laughs> Jimmy here. But like, I think that there is definitely a process of Jimmy's growth of being like, whoa, the, the circumstances around like how you got to this point is terrible. And like, she's desensitized in her own right that I think that like that story's not over and I'm not totally like against Jimmy in that case I think that there's still a lot more to be revealed in that degree but to clarify this isn't the only reason I don't like Jimmy I'm not just saying wow he watched porn as a child and I don't like him <laughs> like, yeah no I, I just I don't just know like that him he's a great reasons. person in general no I don't think but... he's a great person I definitely I do feel sympathy for him though I'll just say that I don't know how if I'm of yet. you. That's fine. <laughs> how very how very nuanced of you. <laughs> uh, great. I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of open a lot of open questions. Um, but let's get into final thoughts. You guys go. <laughs> um, final thoughts. I don't know. I'm like I. Jamie hates the book. I don't. I. Jamie I've enjoyed, hates Jimmy. She hates Snowman. I've is this gonna be the new? Uh, who is the guy in Northwest? Oh, oh, Nathan. Nathan. Is this the new Nathan situation? We're about to throw down over Jimmy. If we could just, just like talk about Nathan, Nathan one more time. Nathan is very underdeveloped. Anybody should watch the Northwest episodes for that brawl down. Anyway, go ahead. Uh. <laughs> I don't dislike the book. I've enjoyed reading it. I do feel like I... It was hard for me to get into it at the beginning because it felt much cheesier than Handmaid's Tale, which is the only other Atwood book that I've read. Um, Like, we start off with a man named Snowman, and I was kind of like, what's happening? Um, So I... It took me a while to get into it. I'm enjoying the story. I think that it's interesting. I I want to know what happens. I am worried that I won't be satisfied with the ending of this book because it's a part of a series. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing as far as the development that I think is a key. That like we are saying how little has been developed, but it is like one of three, three books. books. So like it does make sense that it is a bit more slow than uh, other ones we've read on the podcast. Yeah, but I'm also worried that I'm not invested enough in Jimmy as a character to want to read the other two books at this point. Like I don't, we'll have to see where it gets in the second half. Um, but that's where I'm at. I don't know. I I like Atwood and I, I she has really interesting ideas and I like the things she points out, but this was a um not what I was expecting from her, I guess. Um but I don't hate it. I feel like I'm being very critical. <laughs> I don't hate it. It's like an easy fun story. It's interesting. <laughs> Brian. Um yeah, I'll just say one of the things that I said to Jamie <laughs> earlier today is that this feels like a YA or young adult novel for like more of the A side. Um, so it's just like kind of bridging that gap between like the more fully fledged and fully fleshed out uh, like dystopian novel and more of like the young adult um, 
the kids are going to like rise up and save this doomed world. Mm -hmm. Like it is kind of an interesting thing that I do feel that it's teetering this line so much that like I'm really hoping it sticks the landing because it like it kind of has to with it teetering this line so much that since it's not fully seemingly committed to one or the other I I just want to see the full arc of it but like I'm hopeful um but it's just stuff like the way things are named like feels more YA but Mm -hmm. like then the actual themes are a bit more mature um so I think you know depending on where we go I feel optimistic and because I feel like everything that we've read within the last 20 to 40 pages is hinting at a lot of development to come. Um, And I'm curious to see if there are any other people that will help develop the future storyline because it does feel somewhat empty without other people there. Um, But this journey has me feeling optimistic as well that there will either be something more to learn from wherever Snowman ends up going and then also how this whole uh, dystopian wasteland came to be in the past. So I think that it's really just going to take, um, you know, those developments for the second half, which I think will lead to a more uh, interesting second half discussion than we've had in, uh, for some books, just because it feels like there's so much more to develop as opposed to a lot of times we kind of are like, okay, we see the path coming together a little bit i'm still a little in the dark here which i think will be cool to come back and and discuss for um our next episode so that's kind of where i'm at but like i said feeling optimistic but there is that really distinct feeling of like should this have just like fully gone in the young adult lane or should it have really committed to like going further with the dystopia like it is just a an interesting place to go but the unique aspects and everything else um i'm still invested to that degree yeah i agree with that i, I agree with a lot of that i feel like i was even i think i was even like 20 pages in and i was like did i pick a YI book <laughs> like <laughs> i i i under like it feels it feels immature to me. Like, I don't know. I don't dislike it and I enjoy the story, but also after reading Handmaid's Tale, like this feels like this feels like the giver or something. Yeah. And that's how I felt. And, too. and actually I was, I was really like, this is not what I was and actually, expecting. Actually, the giver feels like a little more cerebral and sophisticated than this book. Like, and I I don't want to say that like I'm not and I'm not enjoying it or I don't think that it's um I think it's an important I think it's an important book but I also like a lot like a lot of the genetically you know modified like animals and the names of the companies like they it felt very um they're just like animals names like smushed together and like it felt a little it felt very immature in that way um which surprised me because Handmaid's Tale is so not like that but then there's also like there's some very like adult themes that like you definitely would not you probably wouldn't read this book in like a high school class. So like I don't know. I um I think I was surprised by the um 
by like how much of a young adult it, book it felt like. Um, but I am really, in, I'm invested in like Jimmy's story. I want to know um, how she wraps this up, um, how, how Margaret Atwood wraps this up. Um, and I'm so curious about Oryx's storyline. Like I just, I want to know the point of her. I want to know why she's here. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm invested in the story, but overall, like the details, um, some of them are like, you know, very subtle nods to dystopian things that are happening now, but some of them, I, I don't feel like there's a middle ground. Some of them are very subtle and some of them are just like extremely like sort of underdeveloped and obvious. Um, and I, I wish there was a little more like nuance in there. Yeah. I think that the net so far has been cast a little wide because even yeah. when we were saying at the beginning of like, what's the overall critique. And again, it may clear up as we go, but like you could pinpoint so many different things that like when it just comes to the broader, like, you know, structure of society as a whole, that's like kind of a weird bounce to strike. I feel like a lot of the most, um, powerful criticisms start to hone in on like very specific aspects. So I think that that definitely plays into it. And I'll just say the one thing too, that I'm curious about, we did hear about the one thing that the trilogy is named after. We didn't get a lot into it, but it is the mad Adam trilogy. And we heard about that just once while they were online. Um, yeah, which I don't even remember what it was. Yeah, I, I don't recall too much, but like that'll be a curious that thing. That word was mentioned. Yeah, it was once. it was mentioned. It's <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that that'll be kind of an interesting thing that we like did hear that and how that will play into it being a trilogy and if that like, you know, what what that develops into. So anyway, just wanted to point that out because I uh, was reading the back and that's the first uh, sentence of our. Mm -hmm. summary on the back of the Mad Adam trilogy and I was like we did hear about that but not too much into that yet yeah I'm excited for the rest <laughs> <laughs> well cool that is the first part of Oryx and Crake a Booker Prize finalist y'all Jamie was baffled I was. This was right after Brian and I, I talked about it being kind of YA, and I was like, "This was a Booker Prize finalist." Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait! I sorry, I forgot to mention this. What also baffled me equally: the New Yorker on the on the cover of my copy for Orwell. Says, yeah, says Atwood does Orwell one better. <laughs> like Orwell making the most right. like prime example of dystopia. This is like, oh, he bet like, she bested like, Orwell, baby. I, you like, could say that about Handmaid's Tale, and I'd be fine. Sure, with it. sure, sure. Yes, I I agree when it comes to Handmaid's Tale, but this book feels, it just feels like there are probably ten other dystopian novels that address very similar things. And <laughs> what Brian stopped laughing. At me. <laughs> I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to add on final thoughts to the final thoughts, but like, I was I was I was floored by. Atwood does Orwell one better? Like, one who better. wrote that review? Like, <laughs> we need to look up anyway. who wrote that review. Jeffrey Tubin. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. All right. <laughs> Current events. This was 2020 November. Anyway. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so, with that, um, we will be back next time with part two of Oryx and Craig. And after that, We'll be back with the season finale. With our rankings. Of season two rankings. So a lot of different things which we'll have to get organized. But it looks like we are on track to have our quarantine season. 
finish up by the end of 2020, which I think what a season, is, friends, is just fitting. I think yeah, that we is, need to finish. It. It, it is fitting that we our quarantine season is uh, is by the end of 2020. I will just say now that we're just shooting the shit here. All of our audio has been getting better. I have been trying to keep that call sound at the beginning of each episode to still like be like somebody is <laughs> is distant. Even though the we audio call is each better. Other. <laughs> we're on Zoom. Yeah, we're on Zoom. And, uh, we're Zooming. And you can check out all the pictures to prove it on Brian's book, Bastion. So anyway, we got to get somebody scatting us out of here. I'm fairly certain. I think it's Brian. That it is not Brian. It's definitely Danny's turn. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Danny is such a squee. <laughs> Guys, I love a squee. I can't start a scat without a squee. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>